Kalimarhaba, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of SESTA and Island Talks podcast. This is Meltem calling from Dusseldorf. Today, I'm hosting Dir Elada Evangelou, who is the executive and artistic director of the Buffer Fringe Performing Arts Festival since 2019. Elada holds a PhD in theater and identity from the Cyprus University of Technology. Previously, she has worked as a dramaturg, theater director, workshop facilitator, and independent consultant in collaboration with theater companies, NGOs, and international organizations, including UNDP and the Anna Lind Foundation. Currently, Elada teaches theater and dramaturgy courses in higher education in Cyprus and the United States. She is also the co-founder of Rooftop Theatre, a member of the Impacts Project and a 2020 Global Fellow of the International Society for the Performing Arts. Her work mainly explores the relationship between theatre, dramaturgy and identity in post-colonial, post-conflict spaces like Cyprus. Today we will be elaborating with her on the transformative power of arts and culture in peacebuilding and the annual Buffer Fringe Performing Arts Festival. This year, the festival's ninth edition will take place on 7th, 8th and 9th October. The festival is organized by the Home for Cooperation since 2014. Buffer French provides a safe space for peace building by engaging artists, public and different communities in Cyprus through performing arts. The festival was awarded with the European Festivals Association label twice. As the only French festival in Cyprus, the Buffer French Performing Arts Festival is overall one of the most respected festivals in Cyprus and Europe. Dira Lada, thank you very much for accepting my invitation. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Meltem. It's wonderful to join you. <laughs> thank you. So um, let's begin by shedding a light on the role of arts and culture in peacebuilding. The literature on conflict studies constantly highlights the transformative role of arts and culture in establishing trust and reconciliation between antagonist groups. Since the antiquity, people have been using different forms of performing arts for social healing. For instance, ancient Greeks drew on theatre and dramaturgy to help heal soldiers returning from a war. In modern times, various research also underpins that in the process of dealing with art, both those who produce and those who participate to the artistic creation are transformed, and that such cognitive and metacognitive transformation is essential for conflict resolution. How do you explain the role of arts and culture, and most precisely, given your field of expertise, the role of theatre and dramaturgy in peacebuilding? So what is very interesting is that the arts and culture uh, dip into two different types, I would say, of intelligence in a human being. It's what we understand. So if there's a story, we understand how it goes. We understand its climax. We understand the human relations between people. We understand the problems. But then there's metacognitive, which is this other level, this other human intelligence that we don't, that we don't really credit very often. But it's this type of emotional intelligence that we all carry with us. So that's where we understand the nuance, the nuances of when people feel hurt, or when they they feel fragile, or when they um, the, when they're apprehensive towards doing or saying specific things. And the arts in general, I would say, the performing arts um, have this ability to stimulate both. Okay, so I mean, theater studies in general, you do have this kind of these. Um, 
really kind of wonderful analyses where you know that we understand stories in specific ways. We expect stories to evolve in a specific way. Um, but then also there's the other side of, of theater and drama. So as you've said, you know, this kind of started from the ancient Greeks inherited by the Romans. Um, you know, this is the Middle Ages all over the world kind of produced very interesting uh, mystical drama. And then we came into the Renaissance to remember again all of the possibilities that that carries with it. And the big gift of the 20th century is that, um, especially in the performing arts, what it did is that it incorporated the body. So this means that once you put in your in your own flesh, in your as part of your own breath, um, when you do engage in theater work and theater workshops, where you know you might be sitting in a room with people that you have been taught not to like, right? But when you physicalized, um, when you've corporealized a good relationship with them, the fact that you can play with them and that you can laugh with them, or you can cry with them, that immediately informs the brain that, you know what, these people are not so bad. So the big, I would say the big gift of the performing arts to a conflict resolution and peace building is exactly that, that it energizes knowledge, it energizes the emotional part of who we are, uh, but and also it energizes things through the body, right? Through what we understand um, through our physical movement. And this is kind of this is a proven fact. I mean, now what we call role play is also used in kind of psychology in therapy, right? Um, so theater tools are used, um, you know, kind of on the global scale to energize specific relationships to change attitudes towards yourself and other people, whole groups of people. Um, and um, that is, a, it's a small revolution. So the arts are not elitist thing anymore. They belong to the people. They can be energized through the people um, and they can work to our advantage. One of the uh, most important cultural events uh, in which people can create a laugh uh, together and energize specific knowledge and change specific attitudes together is the Buffer Fringe Performing Arts Festival. This year's theme is Pockets Beyond, Beyond in Parenthesis. As it is stated in the website of Home for Cooperation, in Buffer Fringe 2020, Beyond becomes a pocket of curiosity and imagination. How did you choose this theme and how do you think this year's theme will contribute to social healing and dialogue among different groups in Cyprus? So the first thing um, that I think we need to say about this year's festival is that actually we are working as a small collective. Um, so I'm, I'm in practice not the artistic director anymore. I am part group, uh, which we call the Buffer Fringe Hive. So the Buffer Fringe Hive is basically myself and Nihal Soranji. Nihal is a social anthropologist who uh, works for the Home for Cooperation. But because of her work and her experience, both practical and theoretical, she is, um, I would say, the you know, kind of how anthropologists are very, these very grounded individuals. She is our grounded person. <laughs> um, so uh, the theme is Nihal's idea. So we've been talking a lot about how we have progressed in the past three years. So the past three themes have been, um, they've been my um, initiative, but this year uh, Nihal has kind of responded to what has happened in the previous years. 
Um, and just so we don't leave it hanging, the Buffer Fringe Hive also has a member from um, the Impact uh, Collective, which is a global collective for arts, culture, and conflict transformation. So it's the three of us. Um, and to talk a little bit about the theme, so Pockets Beyond. So in 2019, we were talking about the buffer zone, defining the buffer zone, remembering um, what is the space that we exist in and we create in. The buffer zone is never given any sort of substance, you know? It's just the, the, it's just the, the place between, but even places between are places. So the 2019 was kind of thinking, so what is this place? You know, let's give it a bit of substance. 2020 and 2021, Corona years. Uh, so we were talking about displacement. So um, the theme tried to generate dialogue around who we are as displaced beings. So obviously this starts from Cyprus, right? So Cyprus is an island full of displaced people, um, Greek Cypriots, Turkish Cypriots, um, Armenian Cypriots, Maronite Cypriots. Um, and then, you know, waves and waves of migrants coming in from the area, um, from near and far, uh, coming into Cyprus. So displacement is a theme that was is very relevant to who we are. So we spent two years, sometimes from our living rooms, <laughs> thinking <laughs> about what displacement is. Um, and this year, we started to think, okay, so what is potentially left behind? You know, so pockets are very close. They They're there to safeguard things, to hide things. There are also things in pockets that sometimes are forgotten, right? So after kind of thinking about our space and thinking about experiences of displacement, we also thought about what have we left behind. So what we are inviting artists to tell us now in 2022 is what have we left behind? What are the small, the marginal things um, that need to be expressed? Everything is part of our overall narrative, Meltem. So everything deserves a place in in um, in the works in the workings of the festival. And we are a fringe festival. We are a festival of the margins. So in essence, we should be hosting these types of things and we try. We try to host the things that are left behind. We're not a mainstream festival. We'll never become one. We don't really want to become one. But uh, it, we should be a place and we aim to be a place where people, artists feel comfortable to, to give, to contribute with those things that they are not comfortable potentially taking to other places. We uh, always aim to make that space. Uh, of people where people feel comfortable to um, experiment, to have collaborations with individuals that are not the usual collaborators. And this is also where peace building comes in and reconciliation. Um, but we, I would say that we take peace building and reconciliation uh, on the a little bit broader scale. So we try to always keep in mind who are the people living in Cyprus, either for longer or shorter periods of time. Everybody matters. Every voice matters. Um, people, artists are all, they all kind of deserve a place in the sun. So we, we don't really think in terms of legal and illegal, we think in terms of voices that need to be heard. And we try to make the space for that.
And uh, Elada, I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing these voices that need to be heard this year at the Buffer Fringe uh, Festival 2022. But um, let's talk a bit about the earlier versions of Buffer Fringe. Um, and particularly, you have also talked about it giving space, the concept of 2019, when you actually became the artistic director of the festival. At that year, you asked to define a the buffer zone. And the buffer zone is an effective space nearly frozen in time. It has its own habitat comprising of war-torn buildings and belongings. I'm curious about this. How do artistic meanings created about such an effective space located in between two divided areas which do not recognize each other help produce contemporary meanings of peace? The first response has to do with something very simple. And it's inserting creative bodies within a space that has no creativity. It all, all it has is violence. It has memories of, uh, like of pain, basically. It has the, its aesthetics uh, is something that is inherently violent. So, you know, bullet holes and barbed wire. So you have all of these both um, synchronous, so something that you see at the moment, but also um, through time, you know, both in the past of violence, a past of violence, and also in the future, you don't really see this place becoming, you know, like uh, something productive in the near future. So you have this space that in its present, in its past, and its future, it's, it's inherently uh, it's inherently violent and it's inherently contested and problematic. It doesn't belong to anyone. It kind of belongs to the UN, but it doesn't really belong to anyone. So inserting creativity in this space in itself, uh, the act of putting expressive bodies and acts of expression within the space in itself is something that is disruptive to this type of violence, Right. So I uh, just kind of to give an example, maybe for the people that don't know. So the Lidra Palace checkpoint, right? The first barbed wire in Nicosia was set up there in the early, in the late fifties, the late fifties, like the late fifties is like a previous century. It's, it's a, it's a time that's so far removed from our reality now, but this is when everything started, right? At the time when our grandparents were young. So this the Lidra Palace checkpoint has a very long history of violence. Um, the the luxurious hotel, like the, the Lidra Palace there, um, and all the beautiful kind of neoclassical houses belonging to, you know, different types of Cypriots, um, are there kind of testament to what, uh, you know, kind of the, the affluent nature of the area? Barbed wire, um, you know, military groups, the early 60s, intercommunal violence, um, and then the war, exchange of prisoners happened in Lidra Palace. Um, UN going to north and south to take food to people that were stranded on each side. These are things, these are the types of emergencies that are related to um, very kind of painful experiences. So Lidra Palace to a lot of Cypriots, it does not mean something positive. It actually means something very, very, very negative. Something that they don't necessarily want to relate to. So I would say that through the arts, through uh, placing performance in that space, you reconstruct the space. You don't necessarily reconstruct the past. You let the, you acknowledge the past. You see the past, right? And, but you move on to to potentially reconstruct the, the 
the future of the space. Because in our collective uh, consciousness, what we have is a future whereby Lidra Palace will be there as it is, you know? a place where prisoners will be exchanged, a place with bullet holes on the walls. Um, we need to be able to collectively imagine another type of future. And that needs a type of rupture that is outside, I would say, politics. Um, you need a type of rupture that lies within uh, other types of processes. Um, so that, you know, kind of our, our collective imaginary um, as a people's, right, as a people living in Cyprus, is something that has been drawn in so many ways by so many, <laughs> by so many different agents, um, you know, by our educational systems, by, um, our, uh, by, the, by governments and administrations, by, um, even by, by artists. So the role, I would say, of festivals like the Buffer Fringe are to say, there can be another type of reality here. There can be another type of future. Our collective imaginary can be reimagined. And it's legitimate, right? You're not betraying anyone, right? Because this is kind of, a, it's a big thing for a lot of, of people living in Cyprus, you know, to betray the past, the people that have, that have uh, given you their trauma, you know? How can you live if you don't carry that trauma to, to the next generation? Well, I think this is where we also need to become braver individuals and say, I would like to reimagine my future in another way. And we are, I guess we are, uh, as pragmatists or even as optimists, we use the arts to allow for that type of new, of, of, of that type of imagining, reimagining to happen. So it was, you know, in 2014 when the Buffer Fringe started, it actually started from, from the moat, you know? Um, and it started from, you know, as an artistic event to um, put the barbed wire aside, like literally and metaphorically, and start to think about how else we can use this space. And, you know, every year in 2019 was also, it was a wonderful year because, you know, what happened was in the mode was interactive and hundreds of people came in to see these different realities, to interact with artworks and with artists and with students. And so we do hope that we will be able to maintain that type of a, a relationship and help in this reimagining through, through the arts. So um, Buffer Fringe indeed helps reimagine future in many different ways, as well as disturbing effective spaces with expressive bodies like you expressed. Buffer Fringe also helps construct inclusive social values on the path to building trust. As a woman, the relationship between gender equality and reconciliation particularly interests me. In your opinion, how does patriarchy hinder peacebuilding? And to that extent, how does Buffer Fringe deconstruct patriarchal values? It's interesting that the Buffer Fringe team, and uh, it was for the past two years and even at the beginning of, of in 2019, it's a, it's a team mostly comprising of young women. Um, and this is a space, again, it's another space that needs to be made, Right. Because if you look at the at the arts festivals, uh, the theater festivals that happen both in the north and in the south of the island, um, the vast majority of artistic directors are men, and it's a it's an establishment. So um, it's also true that the arts are part of the soft politics, I would say. Um, but even in that in that context, um, most decision making is carried out by men. So women are, are in the arts allowed to have an opinion, 
which is great. <laughs> um, but we do live in a kind of very traditional part- patriarchal society. So um, the decisions at the end of the day are mostly taken by males. Now, gender and reconciliation. I mean, this is not something I need to kind of tell your audience. I think that everybody knows that, you know, in peace building processes, um, if unless you have all the players around the table, something will be missing. I mean, obviously in Cyprus, not having the voice of women around the, the negotiation table um, since the 60s has had a very, very heavy toll. So a lot of the um, pain and suffering and trauma in Cyprus is carried by the women. Women that have been um, abandoned, left stranded, um, women that have been, you know, kind of inflicted with violence, women that have been forced to do things that they really, really did not want to do. Uh, no one has really asked women, what, how do you imagine peace? Um, so, you know, there is discussion happening, uh, thanks to international organizations that have, um, that have a place in the island and that's absolutely wonderful. It's just within the decision-making bodies, this is not something that is really happening. I mean, the latest developments whereby the leaders have decided to include women around the negotiation table is absolutely wonderful. I'm kind of still wondering, I'm still looking forward to seeing how that will happen, uh, because it's one thing to say it and another, another thing to do it, substantially, not kind of say that I'm going to, um, you know, kind of adhere by 1625, the UN resolution, but then how does actually that happen? Um, so I'm waiting to really, I'm waiting to see women around the table that are not just the, the secretaries and the minute takers and the translators. I'm waiting to see women around the the negotiation table that are policymakers and, um, um, decision makers and even artists. This is not unheard of. Um, it's just, it's in Cyprus, it's unheard of. So, you know, kind of on the global scale, uh, what is now a very, very popular practice is within organizations, within governments, within municipalities, to have what we call creative placemaking. Basically, it's inserting artists with their own um, type of intelligence, with their ideas, within um, decision-making processes. So um, there is a whole world. Um, there is like, creativity is a whole world that... It, if it is inserted within decision-making processes, it makes them richer. It opens the door for other types of thinking, for other types of intelligent intelligence. It opens the door for different ways of interacting with people. It's very simple. You know, in the arts, we interact with people in different ways, right? So how is that, uh, how can that contribute to decision-making? Well, it brings in people um, in a larger scale and in different ways. So if you do really want to be inclusive, but that's a big if, um, <laughs> then you would involve, obviously, women and artists and the LGBT community and disabled individuals and migrants. You know, this is, it's a, it's a large, it's a, it's a very large pool of people that are excluded, right? So, I mean, I would say that the, that the future of of um, of social movement and of peace building in Cyprus should have a face that is multifaceted, you know, that has many sides. That is the only way to really move forward. Otherwise, we are kind of re, um, you know, we're reiterating things that we have been saying since the sixties. That is that is a real pity, and it doesn't really take us forward. I mean, we've seen that it doesn't take us forward. 
right? Frozen conflict, that should offend us, right? It should offend us as a people, um, not make us feel safe. And it doesn't offend us. And that is problematic. Absolutely. And Buffer Fringe indeed opens the door for other ways of thinking, going to Buffer Fringe and uh, coming in contact with such expressive bodies also makes us feel ashamed of the frozen conflict, which we should have solved in an inclusive way, maybe years ago. And actually, this brings me to my final question. Um, I would like to, uh, maybe this is more of a practical question. I would like to ask you about the obstacles which you face. Um, as a person working within the field of arts and culture, I'm aware of the fact that executing a festival, particularly with the ongoing pandemic, could be challenging. What are some of the difficulties which you're facing when organizing the Buffer Fringe Festival and how could the public or private institutions or even we as a future audience of the Buffer Fringe could help you with tackling these obstacles? Um, yes, obstacles. So those are come in different forms. So the one is, the first one, it's purely artistic. So in small societies, in small communities, uh, when I say communities, I use the term kind of completely inclusively. So um, I would say communities in Cyprus. Because of the small size of the place, there is a um, there is a hesitancy to things that are more experimental, right? Uh, many artists, but also audiences, there is an apprehension towards things that might be outside the norm. So many times um, people don't dare to make proposals to the Buffer Fringe Festival, which is a French festival that they might make to like a festival in Dusseldorf, for example, you know, where it's outside the island, it can be more extreme. Um, there are amazing young Cypriots that study abroad and they do incredible work in their universities. We would love, love to have these people participate in the festival. We would love it if, if they would apply with us, but there is a hesitancy. And um, I think that has to do with how small the place is. I wish that that were not the case. And we do. This is an invitation to artists and communicators and individuals that work around the arts. Apply to this festival. Come close. We will support you no matter what, what your um, proposal is about. I mean, we have a, a very kind of, um, I would say, democratic process of deciding uh, we have an open call and then we decide uh, who will be um, admitted to the festival through the work of an international jury. So this year, there are the three people of the Buffer Fringe Hive and we also have our three curators. So we're working with three curators that will also decide. So you there's an international team of, um, of individuals that will decide collectively about who's on board. And if you, if we, you know, if you are on board with the Buffer Fringe 2022, we will support you. So one thing that we would love to see are more Cyprus-based or Cypriot artists working internationally, applying for the Buffer Fringe and daring to dare, you know? Because if you dare to dare, then we will also dare society. <laughs> and that's, that's, our, that's our role. Our role is to be the space that will allow for that type of daring. We need to push the envelope a little bit and we want the artists to help us out. We cannot do this, this, you know, we're a festival, we're a platform. We're not, we're not an artistic entity as creators. Without artists, we cannot exist. So that's the one thing. The other thing is, you know, society, environment on the island, 
there is a lot of nationalist thought. We we work in a place where groups and communities try to make their space and try to make a, a safe space through the development of nationalism. That basically is the way. It's the it's the easiest way to um, to not be welcoming to collective processes. Right? If you say that my story, my narrative is the only one, it's the best, then you are excluding, uh, you're excluding conversations, right? So what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to host different artists that will bring in conversations about who they are and their creativity and their space and these types of things. If you only have one narrative through the narrative, through the hegemonic narrative of your community, that stops any dialogue. So what we are up against a lot of the times, um, also in media, you know, uh, is the fact that the multiple narratives are not welcome. They're just, they're just not. We are in constant dialogue with, with society trying to say, maybe just let artists in. Listen to what they have to say. Just listen, you know, host them in your programs. Um, talk to them. Open up. Come to the festival and see what they have to say. It's a constant struggle trying to get these narratives to, to open up. Um, and obviously the, the challenge that, which is kind of the third big thing, the challenge that it's, it's uh, really incapacitating, it, it just makes us, um, it cripples us, is, is the financial, there are the financial challenges, Right. So, you know, we have seed funding from, um, from various donors, from the EA grants, um, and then we need to do a whole lot of fundraising. And also, we don't really function as, um, we, we don't, we're, we're not the type of festival um, that will, will function as like an advertising machine. We are looking for partners, for funders that will co-create with us. We work within a culture of solidarity. So just to give an example, the impact platform for arts, culture, and conflict transformation that is based in um, the U.S., it's a collective that will be with us again for a third year. They are supporting us financially, but they're also supporting us through um, resources, through individuals, through conversations that we have with them, through their network of, um, of experts, we're looking for those types of funders, and they're very difficult to come by in our part of the world. Um, because of the way that we work, we work in a clientelist system, even as artists. It's tough. It's tough to convince your funder that we are partners, that you're not just giving us money. Anyway, overall, um, this is a, you know, it's a constant struggle. So, um, yeah, if, if there are amongst your listeners, people that would like to partner up with us um, for the 2022 festival, please do uh, get in touch with us. We would love to talk to you. Uh, this year, we're also very happy that we are collaborating with an organization that is based in Brussels called the Festival Academy. And we are um, carrying out, hopefully, um, the atelier for young festival managers uh, right after the Buffer French Festival. Um, we are also kind of partnering, partnering up with um, U.S. universities uh, that are bringing in students at, as interns in the summer, which is a, also a wonderful partnership opportunity for us. Um, the university that I, I was at during the fall of 2021, um, which is the Galantin School of Individualized Study at NYU, um, is, kind of has opened up 
doors for um, for interns. So uh, we're very happy to have these types of partnerships. Um, so we do invite partners of the Buffer Fringe, not just funders. But it is, it's a struggle because it is a paradigm shift. We need to think of the arts as a partnership. Um, so, um, Cypriot artists all over the world, if you're listening to this, please, please um, apply for the Buffer Fringe. There is an open call going on at the moment, right? And it is until 24th of April. Indeed. Perfect. So, um, and um, please apply. Um, and I will personally make sure to participate to the Buffer Fringe Festival. I am looking forward to it. Um, so just as a quick reminder to our listeners, the festival will take place on 7th, 8th and 9th of October um, in Nicosia, right? Yes, in Nicosia. At least in Nicosia. I mean, last year we also had work in uh, Famagusta, the year before in Limassol. So we tried to... Uh, you know, to to be a little bit more uh, open, but it's, again, it's expensive. So we do our best. <laughs> mm -hmm. So partners, we need to please support Buffer Fringe. And remember, art is about partnership. So um, not do not approach things with a clientelist attitude, please. <laughs> this is the way we can, I think this is the only way we can change um, things. And I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that people most of the time underestimate the value of arts and culture. But anyway, um, you can follow um, the Buffer Fringe Festival from the social media pages of Home for Cooperation, which I will be providing in the bio of this current episode. As a final word, dear Alada, thank you very much, Efkaristo Parapoli, for making time today. I know you're very busy. You have certainly brought beautiful color to my sesta and also to my life story. Dear listeners, thank you uh, as well for listening. Please feel free to like, comment or share this episode of Sesta and Island Talks. Stay healthy, stay with peace and stay tuned. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks. Open, diverse, free.